Hola, hello, hi, bienvenido, and welcome back, or welcome to Mentors Today, Ileana. Hi, Rob. Hi, What's everybody. going on? <laughs> Everything's fine. Well, not that fine because yesterday was a big fire here in Guadalajara. Oh. So now we are in like contingencia ambiental. We cannot go outside. And okay. It's... So it's like a like a little mini fire fire induced version of the pandemic lockdown, except just only for like twenty four hours, hopefully. Yeah, something like that. But it's so sad because they they keep they keep burning the so the, the forests area. around Guadalajara are yeah like having some wildfires again, which seems yeah. like it seems like it's like a, a kind of an annual thing now the last four yeah. or five years. Yeah, and then it's also been pretty warm there. I've noticed just looking at the temperatures on a regular basis. Yeah, pretty hot, pretty early in the year in Guadalajara this year. Yeah. It's part of the climate change and the government and well everything. Look at you, the queen of segues. <laughs> what a segue to our guest today and some of the discussion that we're going to have. That was pretty clever. Yes. So I'm going to go ahead and tell us, tell our audience about our guest today. Uh, so we're super excited. I'm personally excited because I haven't seen him or talked verbally with him in years. Uh, although I feel like we're still always in, in each other's back pocket about whatever's going on in the moment. So we're joined today by Diego Cerebriski, who's the founding managing partner at Dallas Capital. Diego is a deeply experienced investor and is widely recognized by at least me as one of the OG, one of the original kind of first guard of venture investors in Mexico, for sure, and in Latin America. Currently overseeing Dallas Capital, which is a venture and early stage growth fund based in Mexico, and is also the managing director at Alta Ventures Mexico. He invests in high growth Latin American companies with innovative technology and business models. He's led Dallas and Alta Ventures investments for more, a little bit more than a decade, maybe, which he'll tell us about. And as a result, he has had the opportunity to support and invest in some of the region's most well-known brands and most important companies. I'll just name a few. Clip, Cuba Financiero, Cultura Colectiva, Technicis, Zertica, and Serena. He can also be found sharing his wisdom on venture investing, on the companies that they've invested on, on various social media platforms where he writes regularly about entrepreneurship, venture capital. And now he writes quite a bit about climate and about climate change, climate tech, clean energy, clean energy, the problems, the opportunities. And I really, honestly, that was the motivating factor for, for me to reach out and say like, hey, let's have a conversation. Because I think he's sending a signal to the rest of us in Latin America and the entrepreneurial economy that we better start thinking about this because this is maybe the next wave of investment and opportunity. So welcome, Diego, to Mentors Today. Buddy. Thanks, Rob, Liliana. It's great to be here. It's such a nice introduction, and I hope that this is going to be a great conversation. Thanks for the invitation. Our pleasure. Nice. It will be. Well, as Rob just mentioned, you're part of one of the original venture capitalists of Mexico. So we want to know your perspective of what you have seen through these years, the evolve of the entrepreneurial economy in Mexico and Latin America? Well, it has been an, an amazing development in these last around 10 years, 12 years. Um, when we started in 2011, and you know, we were one of the first kind of venture capital funds in Mexico and in, in the whole of Latin America. Uh, and I think at the time, 
kind of the, the startup activity and venture capital activity was very small, very little. Um, but, you know, the, this wave of tech entrepreneurship started at the time. And, um, and kind of the first five, six years, it was relatively slow. We didn't, I mean, there wasn't too many startups with, you know, great teams trying to do things, but also there wasn't a lot of capital. And, you know, the few funds that we were in the region, we were investing, supporting these uh, founders, but there was kind of very little interest from investors outside Latin America or Mexico to invest here. And, and that is something that I think started to change probably around around six years ago, I will say, when with the first kind of success stories that we saw in Mexico, in Latin America, uh, kind of more investors decided that it was a great opportunity, that this was a region that was not being covered enough and decided to, you know, put more money to work to support these founders. And they kind of the level of activity of new founders building new startups, you know, started to pick up significantly. And well, you know, you, you know that during at the end of 2020 and 2021, it became crazy. Probably a lot of successes like we yes. you have seen in other places um, around the world. Um, now, kind of last year, this year, there are years of adjustment. But still, the level of activity and the maturity of the ecosystem is, you know, way ahead of what we saw when or, or where the ecosystem was when we started. Uh, now we have really a mature ecosystem. We have terrific founders. And now we have this phenomenon where we see founders that are not first time founders, but people that have gone through the kind of the startup process either because they have started their own uh, startup before or they work at some of the larger startups in the region. And now they come and they are building with kind of a different experience and a skill set that the founders that we used to see um, 10 years ago. So it's, 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 it's a great talent pool that are building very interesting things. Um, there are more capital available. And also, there is a much higher recognition out there that startups are serious and real companies. <laughs> uh, <and> playing. <laughs> which, you know, you, you both know that, you know, 10 years ago, you will go to talk with a corporation in Mexico and they say startups, are, we don't know what that is and we are not going to work with those companies. Now it's changing uh, and has changed significantly. And we see that that is going to continue for probably the next 10 years or more. Diego, what you were doing before being a, building a venture capital, what inspired you to, to build this? What you saw in the economy? I don't know. Because you say it wasn't nothing back in the days. Um, well, I, I did private equity for 15 years in Latin okay. America. I'm more on the on the darker side of investments. Okay. But, um, you know, it was a kind of a great experience, great development during those years. But then I saw that that 
industry was becoming you know, too competitive, too much capital chasing very few opportunities. And on the other hand, this wave of tech entrepreneurship was starting. And, and I saw it, and, and it was starting very interestingly. It was, it was kind of a grassroots movement where you see these founders, a lot of them with experience in the U.S. because they have either study or working tech companies in the U.S., deciding to go back to Latin America and start building things. And, uh, and I remember at the time I was in Colombia. I was living in Colombia. And I attended kind of my first startup weekend, which was kind of, I think it was the first one or the second one in, in Bogota, in Colombia. And I called them. I saw that they were, they announced online that they were going to run one in a couple of weeks. And I, I wrote to them and say, look, I'm interested in participating. And when I told them my experience, they oh, we need to have you as a judge. So I, they invited me as a judge. And, and then I saw the whole process from. I don't, I don't know how many of the people listening to us have gone through a start, startup weekend. I, so yeah, I, actually, we, I, we, <laughs> yeah. it's funny because actually we just interviewed René for uh, 500 startups and he mentioned exactly the same. And it's funny because I think a startup weekend, they do a lot for the ecosystem. They, they were like the, the tenants of everything yeah. in, in terms of entrepreneurship. Really? There, there, there were some... One of the first groups doing things for yes. the ecosystem in the region. And, and I think it was, for me, it was kind of an eye-opening experience, okay. you know, to be there from and meeting with all the people participating, hearing the ideas that they were bringing, uh, seeing the teams working through the night, going the next day and, yes. say, and going <laughs> kind of team to team to provide kind of advice counsel, feedback, and then hearing the, the pitches. And that happens in, you know, I think it's 72 hours, which is amazing. But also more than what people are building there, and there are some ideas that get then developed into something more serious. I think it leaves everybody so energized about doing new things. And I got there, I saw that, started to talk with founders, um, seeing that some governments in the region were creating programs to support this and say, look, this is a new wave. This is much more fun than what I'm doing. I always liked this because, you know, what I study in my undergrad major was in computer engineering. So I was always close okay. to technology. And I said, look, this is, I think this is the right time to do a change in, in, my, in my life. And then I switched to VC probably it was very early. I think people were surprised of why yeah. somebody will, will think of going in the finance world to something like right. easy. Because private equity was established. I mean, like that was a, that is and was a business. And it was even a business in Mexico and Latin, right? I mean, it yeah. was working with these big traditional companies that we, you referred to before. Yeah. But uh, I mean, it was a, it has been a lot of fun and really, um, I'm happy every day that I did that switch. I don't regret coming to this side and, and then That's awesome. uh, and you see in general terms what has happened with kind of the, the economy of Mexico and, and other countries in Latin America is really the part that is dynamic and where the growth is happening is in the in the tech startup sector. 
that that is where the companies are creating jobs, things are being built, companies become successful. That is where the activity is happening. Kind of the traditional economy has been in this state where you know they grow but not too much, and always you know very in, impacted by how the macroeconomy is doing. Yeah. So you know, kind of the the activity and and that energy is happening on the on the startup side, the startup ecosystem. And I'm curious your thoughts. It feels it's felt to me recent years like we're starting to to get towards a tipping point where now the tr- traditional industry right is starting to digitize itself, right? So it's starting to automate itself, and so therefore its interest in and curiosity around the technology innovations and even the early stage companies from acquisition or merger or partnership standpoints, that seems to be elevating. Whereas like you said, 10 years ago, even six years ago, like corporate and startups was like Mars and Venus, right? I mean, so, but now do you agree? Do you feel like we're starting to get to that point? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And as I say, this was not on the radar of kind of the, that traditional economy, Ten years ago, it started to get attention five, six years ago. And for sure, the pandemic was a, a, a big push for that. And, and, you know, what we experience in, in Latin America, in most countries, is that in one week, everybody has to, you know, go home and work and study from home. And that was a big change in how to do things, how to operate, and, and, and how it was a change of uh, behaviors. And that has accelerated the, the digitalization of the, of the whole economy from See. consumers to large corporations. And, that is, and it's something that will continue to happen. I mean, it's, I think that the world is becoming more digital. Some regions are going faster than others. But everybody is going in, into the same direction, and same. and now what we are seeing with AI, it's another wave of that. Yeah. The tools that we are seeing is not kind of the sophisticated tools that people at whatever NASA will use. These are tools that you know everybody can use to get more productivity in what they do. So it's I think it's going to be adopted so quickly. Uh, by people that still were kind of outside this tech world so far. No, I completely agree. I use, Elaine knows this, she's tired of hearing me use the phrase all the time, but I say entrepreneurial economy for a specific reason, because I think aspirationally, what we all want as as nations or cities or states, right, is to have fully integrated entrepreneurial economies. Not, and, and so no longer this idea that there's an entrepreneurship ecosystem over here and there's a traditional ecosystem over there. The, the aspiration is that we're all digitized and automated and more efficient. So, all right. Hey, I have a personal question. I know Ilya's going to get into like kind of talking about, tell us about Dallas and stuff. But but I, I like last time I saw you, I was standing in the lobby with you at Inc. Monterey. I think it was like 2019. And you had to run away to talk to someone and you literally left me to talk to your, I think at the time, like 18-year-old, 17-year-old son, who was an awesome young guy. And I've been curious since then, like, what's he doing with his life? Like, how is he? Tell us a little bit about your family, because even before the show, you were mentioning your wife is 
is launching some things now. So tell us a little bit about background on the family. Um, yeah, I have three kids. The two oldest ones are at university, at college right now. And, and the youngest one is applying to a star college okay. kind of at the end of the year. So they are going... Because um, that's like four years ago now. So yeah, yeah, so, he, think, he's, so he's what, 21, 20, he, 20, He's He's 22. 22 now. Okay. So uh, is well, he finished? It, no, is he, he's 20, is he, 20, 21 going into 22 soon. Okay. And, and in fact, he's studying at the Tech de Monterrey Entrepreneurship. He's doing and he's, um, you know, he's very keen about that and, and uh, very excited about this um, entrepreneurial world. He was a, he was a great kid and he's a clear communicator because I am not surprised he's going to be an entrepreneur somehow. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that, that's, I think um, where things are. Um, my wife, Ariana, she has launched kind of recently a community for women that are that wants to work together for for the planet. I mean, she's very concerned uh, as I am about what is happening with climate change, and really she wants to help women through this community to cope and do things for that. I mean, one of the the, the things that she's convinced is, is that women are better than men. <laughs> to solve these type of uh, problems. So. I thought you were and just going to leave it there. Of- <laughs> <laughs> just, women, are, women are better than men. I mean, so like, okay, she's not wrong. Yeah. But- What's the name of the community? Of the the community is called um, Alterlip. And, okay. and you, can, you can look at it in um, right now in Instagram. And a couple of days ago, she launched, that was in kind of English version, and now she okay. launched an, uh, a Spanish version that is Alter Leap kind of underscore Latam. So okay. If, you know, if people in the audience wants to follow, that yeah. would be great. She's they are sharing amazing content and creating um, a lot of things soon, very soon. And um, and the other thing is, is I mean, the focus is on women, but any man can everybody also is kind of follow the community. We can, we not, can be, yeah, we can yeah. be allies. We are not now we have to interview her. allies. <laughs> I, that's, I'm feeling like she's one of our, she's on the list now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you should, you should. It's, uh, she, she's much better than I uh, <laughs> doing this. I can tell you that. <laughs> awesome. Well, Diego, uh, now we want to know more about Dalus and, and Alta Ventures. Uh, please tell us a little bit about both. Yeah, I mean, kind of Alta Ventures was the original name. We some years ago, we changed to Dallas and, and Dallas Capital. That's the name that we okay, use that's now. It. Okay. Well, we are a we are a venture capital fund, but that we look to have a positive impact in society and the planet through the investments that that we do. Um, okay. We we have been investing since 2011 uh, in tech startups throughout Latin America. Most of the team is based in Mexico, but we look at startups in most of the large countries in the region. We invest in stages C, Series A, and some Series B. And we look at four big investment themes, which are the first one is inclusion, which is startups that provide access to finance, education, healthcare, and work opportunities. That's where you will feed fintech, edtech, and so on. 
The second theme is climate innovation, which are startups that are helping mitigate emissions or generate adaptation to climate change. Third one is business productivity, tools for businesses from SMBs to large corporations. And the fourth one is digital consumers. So those are the four big areas in where we focus. And, you know, we have been investing, we have done more than 45 investments uh, during these years. Some great success stories like you mentioned, Clip, Technicis, Kubo, some of them. What was your first your first investment? I think the first one was Clip. Really? Uh, well, one of the first ones, yes. Wow. The, the first one I did, yeah, for sure was. Adolfo is amazing. <laughs> yeah, Adolfo is, is amazing founder. And it has been a, an amazing journey to see the company and to, I mean, to be able to, to work with Adolfo and the rest of the team on helping them, supporting them, building Clip. But, but there are a number of other founders that have done yeah. amazing things. And, you know, there are, there are founders that are more public, visible, mm -hmm. and there are founders that are more reserved on how they do things. But I, I think it's, it's a question of personal styles. But really, I really enjoy working with all of them and trying to, to support how they, they grow. They grow. And Everyone knows, I mean, we've listed them in the bio, you just referenced them again, and I'm sure anybody in Mexico who follows venture capital and startups knows the success stories, the big obvious ones, right? What are maybe one or two companies, a few companies right now that, that you've invested in recently or that you've been working with for a while that are a little bit off the radar that you're really proud about and you're really excited for what they're doing, if you can share a couple stories? Yeah, I mean... We have a, a kind of a very recent investment is on a startup from Brazil called Mechanizo. They are building a marketplace B2B for auto repair shops for okay. talleres mecánicos. And they're really doing kind of an amazing job. It's an industry where, you know, in Brazil, there are kind of uh, around like 120,000 uh, repair shops. And these are... Most of them are family-run businesses that really don't have access to the technology and, you know, they live day to day. And so Mechanizo is, is building this solution to help them with technology to access kind of the spare parts they need uh, more efficiently, faster, at better price. But they will provide other services in the future. And, and they're really growing amazingly. And, and is this one of these companies that, you know, generates a lot of impact, which I say before, for us, it's, it's an important topic. Why? Because they are really, they are helping these family-run uh, small businesses to operate more efficiently, so essentially to make more income. And that, that's important for that family that is kind of independent entrepreneur running a business. So so we are we're very excited about that one. I'm sure that they are gonna do kind of amazingly in in the next years. That in, I mean that industry in the US still sucks. So really? so, there, so there's gotta be a huge opportunity. The, the whole auto mechanic and getting your car for that industry is terrible. Notorious. Wow. It's like it's like right up there with like dentists 
of people that you don't want to have to go to or deal with if you don't have to? Well, the thing is that nobody wants to go like to go to the dentist. Right. No one wants to go to the <laughs> no. car repair guy. So the car, so the car repair guys basically never really had to be great at customer service because the expectation is this is going to be a terrible experience, <laughs> right? Well, so, I mean, if they're fixing actually, it, actually, I never, I never thought about the mechanical yeah. services in the U.S. I when you mentioned it, I, I just thought about the typical mechanic place here in Mexico that is like they're all bad, super dirty. Yep, <laughs> they're all bad. I mean, like yeah. there, there are a couple, maybe a couple of brands that have tried, but in general. Obviously, your guys are in Brazil, such a such an equivalency to the U.S. market, right? Kind of size and scope. If it's a problem in Brazil and they can solve it, it's a problem everywhere they can solve. That's awesome. Yeah, and Diego, we saw that uh, now Dalus or obviously you <laughs> are very focused in climate crisis. Can you tell us a little bit why you are uh, putting all your efforts in that cause? Um, personally. I started kind of reading and, and researching about climate change um, a good number of years ago. And the more study, the more scared I became. And, and you know, another team members have kind of similar concerns about what, what was happening. So some years ago, we kind of, we got together in a team offsite. And we review our strategy, and we decided that we wanted to add, we call it climate innovation, other people call it climate tech, to the sectors in which we focus. And the reason for that is, I think the situation here is climate change is happening. I mean, there is no controversy about it. I kind of, the science is very clear. And it's clear that things are going to become worse. The thing is that as humans, it's hard to understand that things are becoming worse because, you know, we are in Mexico City or you're in L.A., Guadalajara, and you go outside and maybe you see, well, yeah, it seems that it's hotter than that used to be a few years ago, but that's it. But the reality is that it's more, I mean, this is a process that is accelerating, given the amount of greenhouse gases that we, as humanity, we have dump into the atmosphere, that is going to continue. The, the, the heat, the amount of heat is going to continue increasing, no matter what we do right now. And it's clear that the more heat, then it starts to have consequences. And it has to have consequences, not just that we feel that it's, you know, the days are hotter and the winters maybe are less cold, but there will be changes in the patterns of weather. And then some areas will become drier, less water, like You know, the whole of California is more or less in that situation. Some areas will become will get more water, but it's a big change that will affect kind of the agricultural in general, how people live, you know, resources, food production. So we think that they will have in the next years much larger consequences than what as an individual each one of us can imagine. So with that, we say, look, we have to do something. What can we do? Well, let's use our expertise or apply our expertise and skills. We apply what we know how to do, which is to invest in startups to this area and really invest in startups that are building solutions to the problem. 
and to be clear, the, our view is that as kind of the problem is so complex because essentially the world economy runs on fossil fuels. That, that's it. So if we don't have fossil fuels today, everything will stop. So we need to change a lot of things. And there, is, there isn't a silver bullet solution. It's, we will have to see thousands of different solutions applied to different things that will help to reduce that fossil fuel consumption that will allow to have a renewable energy that will allow us to reduce plastic consumptions uh, and so on. So change our diet somehow. So it has to be thousands of things. We think that with our expertise, maybe we can help a few of those that might have some contribution to solving the large problem. And, and that's a logic that we, we discuss and decided that we want to, you know, as a team, we wanted to dedicate time and effort to help in that sense. And that's what we have been doing. It's one of the areas, as I said before, one of the themes in which we are investing. It's not the only one. But we have been doing a number of initiatives around it in Latin America. We are sponsoring um, some climate hub that it will be announced soon. We did a climate summit last year in Mexico City. We, we created an, a startup radar for climate innovation startups. And, uh, you know, uh, last year, in January this year, we did a new version and we have identified close to 200 startups in climate in Latin America. And we will, you know, refresh that every, num every number of months. And, and the idea is what is really with these initiatives is to help the development of that community. You can see what has happened with the, in the fintech space. And, you know, there are very strong communities today in Mexico and other countries in Latin America. We think that the same thing should happen in climate. All the founders that are doing interesting things, you know, we should meet other founders, should meet investors, other people in the ecosystem. And really all together, you know, the more connections, the more communication, probably the better results that everybody will generate. I have a quick follow-on, but a comment also, I see if you agree with this. I, I listened to a podcast, might have almost been a year ago now, and it was John Doerr on with Kara Swisher. And he, he, at the time, he likened it to, he was like, people can't understand this. This isn't just like a new product, right? He said, this is the equivalency of the next 50 years of investment is going to be like in climate is going to dominate investment and VC, similar to how computers and computing did in the 1970s forward, right? So he likened it to like, if you, if you understood that we all got born investing in computers and personal computers and all that stuff from like 19, late 1970s through the 2000s, he's like, that's what the next 50 years. So do, one, do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, because as I say, you, you have to change the, the, the paradigm of how the economy is running, how we are going to eliminate all the fossil fuels that essentially runs most machines that we have, but we yeah. have to change how we feed ourselves we have to change a lot of the products that we use. So second, second part of the question, or second question then to round this off is one of the things about climate 
maybe in a tiny way similar to fintech, but probably really different than every other product industry we see emerge, um, is that to solve some of these climate problems, we have to have hand-in-hand work with the governments, yes. right? From, from municipal to state to definitely national level. So, so without this isn't being a political question, but like in a world where governments are nationalizing the oil companies <laughs> so that they can prop them up and keep them growing, or, or conversely nationalizing, say, lithium reserves in Chile, for example, like in a world like where there are still political polls on agendas and ideologies and things, and there still sadly are climate deniers who are who are in leadership positions around the world. Like, how do how do you invest in such? How do we how do we all encourage commitment by entrepreneurs and and get risk capital to bet on these things that are inevitably we can't just disrupt and innovate. Like, we have to collaborate with governments to make this better. How do, how do we do that? And does that scare you? I mean, it's, it's scary and it's uh, frustrating. But, you know, for sure, I believe that, you know, the, the role of governments in this energy transition is fundamental. I don't think it's going to come from kind of a global government deciding what to do. It's going to be more influenced at, at national level and maybe at the state level and maybe at city level in some cases. But we will need governments to implement kind of regulations that provide the incentives for people to switch and at the same time provide the penalties for people that don't want to switch or don't want to get rid of uh, fossil fuels. So so that needs to happen. The bad thing is not going to happen fast enough at once everywhere. But we, I think we will see some countries being more, more active, more proactive, some others slower. But at the end, I think the trend is there and things will happen because it's fundamental. It is happening from the corporate world, of course, not from the oil companies, but a lot of you know corporations that are building other type of products, including a lot of the tech companies. They understand that they need to change how they operate. They are implementing changes. And interestingly, they are forcing those changes to their whole supply chain. So, for example, something that, that we have already, we're, we're hearing here in Mexico, is Mexico is a big kind of auto manufacturing country. And, and you know, kind of the large brands, they are already forcing all their suppliers in Mexico to implement changes on how they use energy. So that sustainability is being pushed to them. So there is a change happening there. It takes time, but it's happening somehow. And then the question is what the individuals, like each one of us, should be doing. And I think that, you know, at sometimes it seems that whatever I do as an individual, it doesn't matter. Because look, I use i drive less does it really matter probably not but if you know millions of people drive less then it starts mattering so so i think it's a combination that we all have a responsibility to be more conscious try to use more less fossil fuels or try to generate less greenhouse gases that that could mean eat less meat 
maybe you eat every day of the week. Well, have one day that is vegetarian. With that contribution, you are reducing your carbon footprint. And that, if other people do the same, we are reducing the carbon footprint. And that's one thing. And I think the other thing that we need to do is communicate this to other people. Because, you know, what is happening out there is there are a number of climate deniers. You know, as they say, they are among us. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's not real. Very sadly, but but they are. And some of them are, you know, educated people, talented people. And still, they don't believe that climate change is happening. So, and there are some people that maybe they are not aware about climate change. They are not denying, but they are, they don't think it's relevant. They don't think it's important. I think, you know, the, the ones that understand that this is happening, I think we have a responsibility to try to communicate and convince other people, you know, in, in society. They, I mean, the people that we have contact with, groups or circles around us, to convince them that this is happening and try to change their mindset not going to happen radically, but at least gradually. And if we do that, I think, you know, we will contribute somehow. But but this is a problem that everybody has. And yeah. my philosophy is that everybody has to contribute with something. Uh, and 100%. And that's why we want, I mean, that's honestly, other than I, like, hey, we could have just told your story and talked about, oh, your cool successes and Dallas Capital. But the reality is like this topic, and I'm thankful so grateful for your explanations and thoughtfulness about it because this was what made me say to Ileana, like, I want to have Diego on to talk about this like, because this needs to be talked about more. So thank you. Awesome. No, no, no. Thanks for the invitation. I mean, I, one of the things that I have, I have been trying to do in, in recent years in, for example, in, in social media and, and in my blog is to kind of, write about this, share information, share news, trying to, so that, you know, other people can see it and say, look, and understand that this is important and we all need to change. And we all need to work towards a solution to the problem of climate change. If we don't do anything, the problem is going to get worse and worse and worse. It's as simple as that. Well, Diego, we hit the last part of the show, and now you have to become the mentor of the day. <laughs> uh, so we would love to, to share with us at least three pieces of advice for our audience, um, and it could be um, whenever you want. Well, I mean, the first one, following on the last topic, I think, you know, for all of all the people in your audience, please take the time, understand what is happening with climate change. And try to do your, think about how you can contribute to a solution. Driving less, flying less, eating less meat, using less plastic. I don't know, whatever applies to you, but try to do something. Second one, thinking about kind of entrepreneurs and founders. Last year and this year have been tough times because it's years of adjustment in the, in the industry. You need to be resilient. Resilience now has become kind of that important quality. Be resilient. I think, you know, things will improve. I don't know if probably not next week, but eventually will improve because this everything is cyclical. 
keep working and building on a lean way and things should work out. I've got a question to prompt the third one. Any, any advice for young or new um, aspiring investors, right? Because I, 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 you know, I'm a big proponent of we need more people that look like the people that we need to put more capital into investing, right? So we don't, we don't just need a world of investors that are just middle-aged white guys that look like me, right? And, and so any advice for either, again, young or first-time emerging fund managers? Because as you just said, tough time to, to come into this industry, but it's needed more than ever as we see the numbers shrink and as we see the numbers of investments in underrepresented founders and women and people of color in all countries, right? It, they're shrinking off the table. Um, so maybe, maybe some wisdom from someone who's been in it for a long time and deals with the LPs and the family offices and all this stuff. What, maybe, maybe that. I think the first one, be resilient. I mean, things will take a lot of time and a lot of effort, but that dedication is key. Second one is go small if you can. I mean, I think that what is important on the investment world um, is really to build that track record. If you can show that you have invested, even if it's kind of small amounts in successful companies, that is what people want to see eventually. So start small, build that track record, get those successes, and then, you know, build from there. I think that that's the way we'll approach it. So, I mean, it's, I know it's tough uh, when you see the numbers are terrible in terms of diversity in the kind of investment world and the venture capital world. But there are a lot of people that understand that lack of diversity and i think they are thinking about supporting that that grows great advice thank you super muchas gracias diego uh, well where we can find you in social media where we can find alus yeah um well we you can find me in in twitter at cerebriski like my last name you can find me in linkedin with my name and you can find my blog which is cerebriski.com where I share, okay. you know, things about, you know, venture capital in Mexico, Latin America, things about climate change. I mean, it's, it's kind of a blog where I write about what I think that I want to share and I put it out there. And um, about the, the fund, again, we are Dalus Capital. You can find us at daluscapital.com. You can find us on LinkedIn. If you follow us, also we are trying to share information that we think is interesting. Uh, you can find us in um, Twitter. That's terrific, man. Hey, I, I'll just put, say it on the record again. I know Ilya feels the same. Thank you so much. Uh, for me personally, I feel like I just had like a catch-up conversation with a friend who I haven't seen in five years. Right. So this is it, it feels like just where we left off and we just picked up. So super grateful. But the energy that you bring around climate, man, we need we need X times number more of those types of conversations in the Americas, cross-border. There's so much opportunity. So, so super grateful for you. Thank you. No, thanks for the invitation. Really great to be here with both of you. Mil gracias. As always, we thank you so much for listening. Today's show was recorded in Los Angeles and Guadalajara. 
produced by Deanna Bernal in Mexico City and promoted by the content team at Growth Hacks in Tijuana, Mexico. You can always find and share our show via any popular podcasting platform, as well as find us on social media at Mentors Today on Instagram. If you'd like to connect with our hosts, you can find them on Twitter or Instagram at I am Rob Ryan or at Ileana JAF. Gracias, thank you, and we'll see you next time.